Amen. That was beautiful. They sound really good together. Have to get them to do that again sometime. <laughs> Be a blessing. You know, just to remind you guys that you guys really have a fantastic pastor here, John Lomacang. You know, I answer phone calls from people that call into the pastoral department. And many people will say, wow, if I live close enough, that would be my church. And they really appreciate Pastor Loma King. So I just wanted to remind you guys of that. You have a wonderful pastor. You know, it's kind of interesting. Um, as far as West Virginia, that's where we moved from in March of this year, my wife and I. And it was to be close to our son and daughter-in-law, Greg and Jill. But uh, in West Virginia, there's this common saying, um, they'll ask you, well, whose boy are you? And here, you know, we came to West Frankfort, and we didn't, we just, you know, they introduced, I'm Daniel, and this is Valerie type of thing. And then they kind of pried a little bit more. And then they said, oh, Morricone. And then they knew whose dad I was. So <laughs> now we're kind of known by whose dad we are. <laughs> and it was kind of neat. I was in Iris's Sabbath school class this morning. And she used the word y'all. <laughs> and I just, anyway, West Virginia, that's where I first learned the term. <laughs> Let's just add another word of prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, you've asked us to pray for your Holy Spirit as we open your word together. So just now we're doing that and thanking you for your Holy Spirit's presence here to make effectual your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Valerie and I were engaged for two years. I still remember the night that I proposed to her. It was graduation night at Newbury Park Academy. And I, when she said yes, by the way, there's always that little trepidation, right? She said yes, then I gave her a watch, and she wore it on her right wrist, signifying that she was mine. And she wrote to me every day that I was in Alaska, commercial salmon fishing, because I was going to make a fortune, come home, get married, and live happily ever after. <laughs> well, it didn't pan out. I didn't make that fortune. So I joined her at Pacific Union College and took an accelerated nursing program so that I could support my beautiful wife and the 12 children we were planning on having. Well, probably more accurately, I was planning on having. <laughs> After our beautiful wedding and our honeymoon, we moved to Southern California, Glendale, California, where I worked for the Glendale Adventist Hospital 
and she worked for the Voice of Prophecy. I worked the afternoon shift, and I can still see her right now. She would go to the, we had a little balcony on this second story apartment, and she would wave at me as I drove away in my 1968 light green California special Mustang. <laughs> Did I tell you that it was bliss? <laughs> Does anybody here remember their first fight? <laughs> All right, I see a few brave hands there. Well, ours was a knockdown, drag out fight where I slammed the door, ran down those stairs, jumped in my 1968 light green California special Mustang and peeled the tire. I was making a statement. Did God really say, husbands, love your wife? Is this even possible? <laughs> Is your wife being loved the way God intended her to be loved? This sermon is going to be talking to us husbands or men. And I believe that our wives are suffering from unmet expectations, shattered dreams. They're being taken for granted, being unfulfilled let down and grieving from our broken promises. They aren't receiving that love, honor, and cherishing that we promised God and her on our wedding day. Remember your wedding day? The day that you promised God? Did you ever consider that your wife may be feeling oppressed? She may be suffering in silence. She may have tried to tell you but she wanted to be a good wife and not bug you. She may be asking herself, where have all the flowers gone? And all that affection that you were pouring out upon her when you were trying to win her affection. Now, if she isn't being fulfilled in your marriage, whose fault is it? Do you remember being her knight in shining armor? Has your armor been tarnished or gotten rusty? Before you guys all take off and leave here, <laughs> there's a quote here. This is from Adventist Home. To gain a proper understanding of marriage, the marriage relationship, it's the work of how long? Whoa. Are you guys still living? <laughs> Those who marry enter a school from which they are never in this life. What? Wow. Oh, that's pretty heavy, isn't it? <laughs> well, this sermon is coming from God's Word, and it, where God inspired Paul to write to the Ephesians regarding unity in the church of Ephesus. So we're going to be concentrating on what Paul said about marriage, and specifically to us husbands. You know, all women are God's daughters. And God wants the best. You know, we're thankful that our daughter married a wonderful guy, David Kovacic. That's harder to say than Morricone, isn't it? Kovacic. 
<laughs> you know, he loves his daughters and he wants the best. God preserved this letter to the Ephesians for us husbands of today as well as the Ephesians that we could have fulfilled marriages. Well, let's turn to God's word to see what he says that will help us. Let's turn to the book of Ephesians. This is a letter where Paul wrote while he was in prison, and he must have heard about the things that were happening in this church of Ephesus that caused him to write the letter. Basically, he's encouraging them, but he's also scolding them to get their act together. This church in Ephesus was a coastal capital city that was well known for its pagan goddess worship. Do you remember Paul preaching there and they're starting to get rid of their idols and then that silversmith, Demetrius, he caused a riot, right? Great is the Diana of the Ephesians. Well, there was a lot of disunity because of the corruption from society that was actually creeping into the church. Could this be happening today? Is the church being influenced by our society? How about us? How is media portraying relationships? And if I were to take a secret ballot here and ask you, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being, oh, my marriage is terrible, or 10, wow, it's out of this world, and I were to collect those, and it would say husband or wife on those, you know, the husbands would actually rate their relationships pretty high. But when you look at the women, you know, not so much. So here we go, guys. <laughs> let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5 and let's look at verses 22 to 24. Did God really say, husbands, submit, excuse me, submit your, excuse me, wives, Submit unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now, don't we like that part, guys? <laughs> Isn't that the part we like? We say, yeah, if they would just do that, man, everything would be fine. Would it? Look a little closer at verse 22. Doesn't it say, as unto the Lord? Are you living like the Lord? Do you want your wife to be submitted to you if you're not living like Jesus? Does Jesus want forced submission? Does Jesus coerce submission? Doesn't he woo us? Doesn't he invite us to taste and see that he is good? And then we desire to serve him. When we get to verse 25, it does say, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Notice that this is an imperative. Or a command, right? It's not a, yeah, suggestion. <laughs> well, it says to love our wives. How? Even as Christ 
also loved the church. Well, how did he love the church? Yeah, and gave himself for it. Notice that his love is giving. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he How? Selflessly, right? Sacrificially, right? So if we want to love as Christ loved, first of all, we must give. We see that God is telling us husbands to love our wife by giving to her, even our life. What does that mean? It means putting your life aside for your wife's desires, her needs before your own. We can picture ourselves giving our life to defend our wife. What about putting our life aside to please her? Do you recall Peter telling Jesus that he would die for him? He did cut off an ear. But when it came to living for Jesus, he didn't put self aside. His pride got in the way. What about us? Have you noticed how our society has twisted love? It has us thinking on the side of our passions, our hormonal drives, our lower nature. If you don't think we can be influenced by our society, see if you can complete this sentence. Winston tastes good like a cigarette should. Now that hasn't played over 22 years. I think it was 1999. And it's still ingrained. Now I noticed that the people that aren't that old... <laughs> They didn't, <laughs> didn't budge, right? So I've got another one. <laughs> what about this one? What if I said, do? Somebody hollered out. <laughs> Homer Simpson, all right. <laughs> now, Homer Simpson. Now, I, I learned this on this, um, oh, James Rafferty invited us to do a family worship, all the guys. So that I learned about Homer Simpson. Wow, that's interesting. But he has been influencing society for over 30 years or three decades. Now, even though you've never watched him, the people that you've hung out with may have watched him. And his influence has been influencing men in society. This is the way a man should be, basically. And if you're curious about how he should be, just Google him and it'll tell you what his uh, character is like. So as we're exposing ourselves to society, which we can't help, right? But we don't want it to come inside of us. You know, if Paul would have just said, husbands, love your wives, we'd have said, ah, yeah, I got that. No biggie. <laughs> but you know, God knew that the Ephesians, as well as us, needed to know how and why. So let's look at verse 26. Did God really say that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word? 
Here we see Paul referring to why Christ gave himself for the church. It was to sanctify it. And the word sanctify means to set apart for a holy purpose, created purpose. The church was established to reflect God's love. So the reason Jesus gave himself was to demonstrate God's sacrificial love. Then we, his church, would reflect that love. And then it would, we would be fulfilling God's desire for his church. John tells us that we love him because he first loved us. So what about the woman? Why was she created? For what purpose was she designed? Where it says to sanctify. So we want to look at what purpose the woman was created. When we look back in Genesis, we remember hearing God say, it is not good that the man should be alone. I'll make him and help me for him. And when you look that up in the Strong's Dictionary, we see that an helpmeet can mean a counterpart or a mate. So she was his extended self taken from his side that he might sanctify would mean to treat her as an extension or a counterpart of himself. And so what about to cleanse? How does it say this is done? It says with the washing of water by the word. You know, that reminds me of, of Jesus. He was talking to that woman at the well, and he told her that he would be inside of her as a well of water springing up inside of her to everlasting life, cleansing her from her past, healing her. That love that was welling up inside of her, as soon as she recognized that Jesus he accepted her and loved her the way she was and desired her to change by allowing that love to flow in and through her. You know, as soon as she realized that this man accepts me, loves me, knows me, she couldn't contain herself. She left the pot, right, the container, and ran off to tell everybody else, hey, here's a guy that knows me, loves me. She's already had five guys, right? <laughs> Probably none of them realized she was wanting to be known and loved. Guys, I'm giving you a secret here. Women, they want to be known. They want to be listened to, understood, and accepted. And by the way, this has two meanings to it. Ephesians 5, it's a dual meaning. So he's speaking to the church as well as he's speaking to husbands and wives. It's kind of like Matthew 24 where Jesus is speaking about the destruction of Jerusalem and at the same time he's speaking about the second coming of Jesus. I preached this uh, at a church and I had um, anterior post-drip Right now, I'm struggling with posterior nasal drip, but uh, now I just noticed that it's coming anterior also. Uh, sorry for that little sidebar. <laughs> you know, your wife wants to be washed with your words of love. That's her greatest desire. 
And she can tell if it's coming from the heart. And if you can't do it from the heart, then what are you supposed to do? You know, if God gives a command and we're not doing it, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to repent. Isn't that right? Repent. If we're not following God's command, aren't we supposed to turn around and do different? Well, in verse 27, did God really say that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Wow, this describes the transformation of your wife when she receives all of this sacrificial love coming from you, this uh, unconditional love, this just it's pouring out of you and she'll recognize it. That's what's going to happen to you. To her, she's going to glow. <laughs> and it's interesting, you know, on your wedding day, do you remember how your wife glowed? <laughs> and you hear the story, you know, wow, that bride is radiant, right? Haven't you heard that? She was just glowing. Hi, Valerie. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping she's glowing. <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, it's... Interesting, the reason they were glowing was all of that love was coming inside of her and she was just feeling it all. And she was just, and so she was radiant. It was just coming out through her because of that love flowing in and through her. And that's why she was doing that. And then things kind of get humdrum, right, or whatever happens over time. And we're not doing those early attentions that she thought would happen the rest of her life, right? That's why she said, oh, yes, absolutely. This is going to be wonderful. So I don't have to talk to you ones that have just barely been married because that's still glowing coming out of you, right? But um, anyway, that's really neat. That's exciting. I thought, wow, that's really neat what God is telling us here in his word. Well, how else can we get her to glow? Ephesians 5, 28 and 29, did God really say so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For mo no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. Yes, actually, Paul is here challenging the men of the church of Ephesus to love their wife like they do their own bodies. You think this is a Bible endorsement for selfishness? <laughs> well, actually, seriously, if we invest the time to find out how our wives desire to be loved and then follow through with this knowledge, then God promises you a blessing. And most ladies do want to be listened to and understood. Is that right, ladies? I want to see it in the heads. They're all saying amen. You know, it's kind of interesting... I think I can share this. I have shared it, but I was very comfortable in church. That I, and let me see what happens here. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, guys, you know how you get satisfaction in your relationship, and I'll use the word your release, your, your anyway, satisfaction. <laughs> Women, this is theirs. When she is feeling listened to, heard, understood by you and loved by you, that is her. That's her satisfaction. That's what 
Am I right, ladies? Kind of? All right. They're saying amen. All right. So, guys, you just heard them. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, I was kind of a little more gentle one time, and the one lady jumped up, and she says, no, that's exactly it. <laughs> but anyway, so now it's not a secret anymore, guys. You guys know it, so you got to practice that. Uh, and it's amazing. Uh, you'll be surprised at what happens if you do that. It'll, you'll be blessed. The more you put love upon your wife, uh, the way that she interprets it as love, the more love she is actually able to give to you. Love actually awakens love. And that seems to be the law of love. The more we give, the more we receive. It's like the tithe. You know where God says in Malachi that if you are faithful in your tithe, he'll open the windows of heaven. You won't be able to contain the blessings that you're going to receive. That's the same thing. The more love that you put into your wife, the more love you're going to get back. That sounds selfish, doesn't it? But the wives will say, bring it on. <laughs> you, you can't actually out-love your wife. Did you know that? God made a woman to love. You never see a command in the Bible. Women, love your husbands. It doesn't say that. It does say, husbands, love your wife. So they're just naturally lovable. <laughs> and by the way, <laughs> when you've had whatever it is and you're, you know, lying in bed, maybe you've had a stroke, and, oh, you can't talk, and your wife will be there <laughs> feeding you. What did he say? What did he say? Well, he said, you know, she'll be there to take care of you. In fact, I remember a man, this was early, I was in my 20s, and this older gentleman, uh, this was in Manchester, Kentucky, that's, by the way, that's where Greg was born, in Hyden, Kentucky. <laughs> and uh, he was a churchgoer. He was up in his 90s, and his wife was taking care of him because he was on his bed a lot. And, uh, but he was at church one time, and he told me that he wished that he would have loved his wife. So I, I don't want that to happen to us guys, to come to your end and say, man, I wish I would have loved my wife more the way that God intended us to love them. Where am I? <laughs> Did I read 28 and 29? Yeah, okay, selfish. Um, well, being born selfish. You know, we have Grandpa Adam to uh, thank for that, right? He, we think it was chivalry where he said, you know, I'm not going to be without this woman. I'm going to take this fruit and die with her. They think that's, but no, it was really a selfish thing that he was doing. So that selfish nature of Adam has come down to all of us, all of us guys. So I know that it's really hard to do with our selfish natures. But Paul said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. You know, Jesus is the initiator in our relationship with him. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So in our relationship with our spouse, we're to be the initiator. You might be thinking, hey, man, how can I love this woman? Well, think of how much Jesus has sacrificed for you. Then ask him to help you to love your wife like he does you. And he'll help you to put self aside. The old adage no pain, no gain. 
it's really certainly true regarding putting away our past. And doesn't God say to take up our cross and follow him? And doesn't Paul say that he died daily? So it's really not our, an issue with our wife. It's an issue with our self being put aside, right? Because when we married our wife, weren't we all excited? And we were madly in love with her. And we were pouring all that out on her and in her. Did God really say, husbands, love your wives? You know, it wasn't until later in life, with a lot of ups and downs in our marriage, that I found this message to the Ephesians to be a blessing. And if God gives a command, we know that not only is it possible, but we can take it to the bank, that he will accomplish this in and through us by faith. I love this saying by Ellen White. As the will of man cooperates with the will of God, it becomes what? What does that mean? All powerful. So you might say, man, I don't have enough willpower. But if we cooperate with God, that willpower becomes omnipotent. Whatever is to be done at his command may be accomplished in whose strength? In his strength. So it's the, the problem is dying to self is the issue here, isn't it? It's dying to ourself, our selfish nature. We want what we want, when we want. But it says all his biddings are what? Enablings. And he has bid us, husbands, love your wife like she wants to be loved, like she desires to be loved. Then he's enabling us to be able to do it and accomplish that. You know, Valerie and I have been on a quest to learn all that we can on how to do marriage the way God intended. We've read books, gone through seminars with this goal in mind to fulfill what God has said in his word. And the blessings that we've received in having a fulfilling relationship has made all the hard work of dealing with our own upbringing and comfort zone. And that's our inherited and cultivated tendencies. It's made it all worth it. Valerie and I are being intentional. So we've got this motto. Let's finish well. You know, when I was working, well, I was having my devotions yesterday morning and praying. In my prayers, this thought came that our relationship with our wife, it's actually reflects how we see God's relationship with us. In other words, if we treat our wife with little care and even indifference or harshly, then that's the way we see God treating us. That's our concept. Because in this whole thing that Paul is talking to the Ephesians, he's looking at it as Christ to the church and as husbands to the wife. So that's, it just kind of blew me away. In fact, in 1 Peter 3, 7... 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. It says, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them, talking about your wife, according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. 
So if you're wondering and struggling with your relationship with God, friends, then look at your relationship with your spouse. Did God really say in Ephesians 5.31, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Are you both one flesh? You know, if something is bothering you in your flesh, don't you take care of it? Like you get a splinter, poison ivy, you know, use cortisone or calamine lotion. Well, you know, when I was doing this, preparing this sermon, it reminded me of conjoined twins or, or Siamese twins. One body with two heads. Now, this is the Hensel twins, Abby and Brittany Hensel. Now, to get your mind around that, it takes a little bit if you've never seen them before. They're actually, they've been on reality television, TLC. They're very popular girls. And uh, I found out that they're teaching school fourth and fifth grade in uh, Minnesota now. They're in their 30s, and the kids really love them. <laughs> but uh, one of them said that they, they only get one salary. Uh, <laughs> even though they each have their own degree. But... The reason I show this picture as far as they have one body, but there's two heads. So in your relationship, there are two heads, right? But God is telling us that it's one flesh. So now if Abby has an itch on her right arm, she has to ask Brittany, can you scratch my right arm? I mean, my arm? Because <laughs> they each have one arm. And... Uh, so they have to cooperate with, with each other because, you know, how, how can you scratch? I got an itch over here. If you were trying to do it, you couldn't do it, right? You'd have to try to get it somewhere. So she has to say, say um, Brittany, move up a little bit, right? Scratch over here or back behind, right? So they have to cooperate with each other. So if your spouse isn't comfortable with your relationship, is there something that you might do or not do that would make it better? I know that working on your relationship is hard work, but if you've talked to those who have gone the divorce route, you find that that's not a bed of roses either. And those who are going to stick it out, even if it kills them or when the kids are gone or whatever, they're a miserable example of what God intended for marriage. And they're miserable themselves. So many guys that I've talked to wish they would have gone the let's work it out way. And don't let Homer Simpson's catchphrase, if something's hard to do, it's not worth doing, be your guide. That's straight from the devil, isn't it? It's the opposite. Dying to our own selves is what it's all about. Putting self aside and thinking of their or other person's always been hard work. And self doesn't want to die. When I was in nursing, I saw a lot of people die. It's amazing that the body does not want to die. It tries to stay alive. There's many cliches that speak of this. I met the enemy, and it is I. The greatest battle we'll ever have to fight is self. And we know that selfishness can't and won't enter heaven. Well, husbands, 
It sounds like God is speaking to us through his servant Paul. It is well worth it. It's well worth that effort. How many of you want to lay aside the thing that so easily besets us? Whatever it might be that's standing in the way of establishing that love relationship that God intended for you to experience, are you willing to give it up? Maybe it's just negligence on your part. Maybe you think, well, I guess this is all there is in marriage. Why don't you pray and ask your spouse if there's something more that you could do to strengthen your relationship? Don't settle for Satan's counterfeit falsehoods. God has a blessing in store for you that will satisfy you more than you can imagine. After all, our marriage is to reflect Christ's love relationship with his church. As the words of this hymn say, Not I, but Christ, be honored, loved, exalted. Not I, but Christ, be seen, be known, be heard. Not I, but Christ, in every look and action. Not I, but Christ, in every thought and word. If God's Holy Spirit has been speaking to you and you're willing to say, not I, but Christ, just raise your hand with me and say in your heart, Lord, I am willing. And you can reinforce this commitment when we sing our closing hymn, hymn number 570. Stand with us as we sing 570. <clears throat> self-important barrier. 
loving Father, Lord, we're thankful that it isn't I, it isn't us, but it's Jesus Christ who will accomplish what you've bid us to do, you're enabling us to do. Lord, we just praise your holy name as we look away from ourselves and look unto Jesus to make our, wonderful, our relationship with our wonderful wives all that you intended them to be. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen.